You're listening to the Dibbly Dobbly Podcast. Remember to like, share, comment, subscribe, and click the bell to make sure you get the latest episodes of the podcast. Be sure to like and share our Facebook page and follow us on Twitter and on Instagram. Hi everyone and welcome back to another episode of the Dibbly Dobbly Podcast. On today's episode of the podcast, we review the first ODI between Australia and New Zealand from Kalele's Stadium. It's the Dibbly Dobbly Podcast and let's get started. Let's have a look at the match summary from the first ODI between Australia and New Zealand from Kalele's Stadium in Cairns. New Zealand batted first and made 9 for 232 from their 50 overs. Conway top scored with 46 and Maxwell took 4 wickets for Australia. Australia needed 232 runs to win. They chased down the runs in 45 overs finishing on 8 for 233. Green top scored with 89 not out. Bolt took 4 wickets for New Zealand. Australia won by 2 wickets and Cameron Green was named player of the match. What were the key moments and key factors from this first ODI between Australia and New Zealand? Australia's bowling to restrict New Zealand to 9 for 232 from their 50 overs. New Zealand's bowling to have Australia in trouble at 5 for 44 inside 12 overs. Alex Carey and Cameron Green's partnership of 158 for the 6 wicket to rescue Australia after they were 5 for 44 inside 12 overs. New Zealand's bowling taking three late wickets to break the partnership between Carey and Green, removing Carey, Maxwell and Stark to have Australia in trouble at 8 for 207 inside 41.1 overs. Cameron Green and Adam Zampa's partnership of 26 unbeaten for the ninth wicket was key as Australia lost three quick wickets. Those two held firm and guided Australia to victory by two wickets. Those were the key moments and key factors from this first ODI at Kalele Stadium. Let's have a look at both teams' performances in this first ODI at Kalele Stadium with both bat and ball. We'll start with Australia and their batsmen, Warner 20, Finch 5, Smith 1, Labashane 0, Stornis 5, Carey 85, Green 89 not out, and Maxwell 2. That's how the Australian batsmen went about things against New Zealand in this first ODI from Cairns. Um... It was a mixed performance with both bat and with both bat and ball for Australia in this match, but the batting side of things was uh, poor and good um, throughout the innings. Obviously, Australia were in a bit of trouble, as we know in the run chase. There were five down for 44 runs inside 12 overs. Trent Bolt was the main destroyer for New Zealand. He bowled well. He bowled good up front. Um, he bowled a good spell. He took early wickets, gave New Zealand a chance to win this match for New Zealand. It was about taking early wickets and put Australia under pressure. And that's what Trent Bolt did. And the top order for Australia was quite vulnerable, fragile. We saw what happened against Zimbabwe in the last game of that series. The same thing happened again here against New Zealand in this game. Um, so Australia reeling at 5-44, in trouble. Many people didn't give them a hope in the world of winning this match. But Alex Carey and Cameron Green came together and got Australia back into this match. They added 158 for the sixth wicket. Their partnership was the main reason Australia won this match from nowhere and to win this match by two wickets. Now, that partnership was going along quite well. Um, nearly got Australia um, over the line, that partnership, Kerry and, and Green. But, unfortunately, Australia got into a little bit more trouble towards the back end of their innings and made the run chase a bit harder for themselves where Kerry got out for 85 
Um, then Glenn Maxwell got out soon after for two, and then Mitchell Stark got out cheaply for one. So Australia were eight for 207 inside 41.1 overs. New Zealand were fighting back, um, but the key for Australia was Cameron Green. He was still out in the middle. Um, he was joined by Adam Zampa, who needed to support him. Australia had two wickets left in hand. Obviously, Zampa and Hazelwood to come. So Cameron Green was still the key for Australia. He was still out there. He was battling cramps. He was getting treated by the physio. It was hard for him to run between the wickets, but he held firm, and he took the responsibility upon his big shoulders because he's quite a tall man, uh, Cameron Green, quite a tall player, uh, to get Australia over the line and win this match. And uh, he did. Cameron Green, Adam Zampa, added 26 unbeaten for the ninth wicket to guide Australia home, and the rest is history. Um, so overall, it was a... A mixed performance from Australia with the bat. Obviously, Alex Kerry and Cameron Green were good, whereas the Australian top order were poor. And also Adam Zampa's contribution in all this with Cameron Green at the end was very good as well. He made a very handy 13 not out. But let's talk about the Kerry and Green partnership. It was simply outstanding. Uh, without that partnership, Australia wouldn't have won this match. And um, the pair added 158 for the sixth wicket. And uh, it was some wonderful batting. Uh, they batted well together, they did the basics well with the bat, they rotated the strike nicely, uh, they respected the good balls that New Zealand bowled to them, and they punished the bad balls, and they punished them well to the boundary for four or six. Uh, they looked easy at the crease, they looked focused, they looked composed, they weren't panicking, they didn't panic, they knew what they needed to do. And obviously Cameron Green and Alex Carey's partnership of 158 runs is the second highest ever for the sixth wicket in the Chapel Hadley Trophy history, behind Brendan McCullum's and Craig McMillan's 165-run stand in Hamilton in 2007. So that's a bit of um, history there for Kerry and Green and their partnership. But also this partnership between Kerry and Green reminded us of the partnership between Glenn Maxwell and Alex Kerry uh, back in 2020, uh, when they guided Australia to victory in that ODI against England at Old Trafford in Manchester during that one-day series. Um, obviously, the pair came together at 5 for 73. Not too dissimilar to Kerry and Green, who came together at 5 for 44 in this match. Uh, so it's a very similar partnership to the one in 2020. Obviously, Alex Kerry made his first ODI century in that match, and Glenn Maxwell made his second-ever ODI century in that match as well. So that partnership sort of replicated that partnership from 2020 between Kerry and Green in this, in this match, against New Zealand in 2022. Um, let's talk about both Alex Carey and Cameron Green individually. We'll start with Alex Carey. Um, he's best suited down the order. It's, go it's a good thing that Australia moved him from number four um, from the Zimbabwean series to down the order for New Zealand um, in this series. You know, he batted at number six in this game. He's best suited to bat down the order, middle order, uh, because his job is a finisher, and this is what he did with... Cameron Green, he came in when the side was in trouble and he finished off the innings. He didn't quite finish it off until the end, obviously, because he got out. But um, for him, this is his best position in the batting order. And uh, for Alex Carey, he's been under pressure. He's copped a lot of flack and criticism over the, uh, the past few months um, since he's been in the Australian side, especially the test side, the one-day side. Um, he's not in the T20 side. Obviously, he's missed out on selection for that. Um, but a lot of people have criticised the way he's played, um, the way he bats, the way he wicket keeps. Um, obviously, a lot of people said that Josh English should come in and replace him, or Josh Philippi. But um, Alex Carey, 
despite all that, despite the critics, despite all the feedback um, that people have been giving him, um, he really took his opportunity with both hands today, and he really played well. It was a very good knock from him. He was composed, he was focused, and he didn't look flustered. He just went out there, played his shots, backed his ability, um, and it was the same with Cameron Green. But for Alex Carey, it's good to see him grab this opportunity. Where Australia were in trouble, they needed a partnership. He stand tall with Cameron Green. Both of them did, and they got the job done. So great to see Alex Carey get into the runs. Hopefully for him, this will boost his confidence going forward for the remainder of the series, and hopefully into the future as well, and hopefully into next year's World Cup in India. Let's talk about Cameron Green. I thought Cameron Green was outstanding. You know, Cameron Green, what a player he is. He's a, he's a wonderful all-rounder. He adds a lot to this Australian side with both bat and ball. And I really like him in this one-day side for Australia. Now, in this innings that he played, 89 not out, um, with this partnership with Kerry, it was composed. Um, it was matured. Um, he looked focused. Um, he knew what to do. And for a 23-year-old kid to go out there when the side's five down for 44, most 23-year-old players, especially batsmen, will find that a bit overwhelming. They will panic and they'll be under pressure themselves. But Cameron Green looked like he was playing for 10 years at international cricket and it was just it was just nothing to him, really. He didn't panic at all. He hasn't been playing that long. He's been playing for a couple of years now at international cricket for Australia, but it looked like he was playing for a long time in terms of 10 years or more when he walked out to the middle to join Alex Carey. And as I said, he looked composed, focused. He took it upon himself with Kerry to get a partnership in bat time. And that's what they did. And, um, you know, he battled through some tightness in terms of his muscles. He was battling cramps. Um, he was getting treated by the physio. Um, but he batted well. And he fought through the pain and he was able to get Australia over the line in this match. Obviously, when Alex Kerry departed... The partnership was broken. Australia lost two wickets after that when Kerry departed. That was Maxwell for two and then Stark for one. So it was really up to Cameron Green then uh, to win the match for Australia. Australia had two wickets in hand. He needed to get the job done, and he did. Adam Zampa joined him, and this is where Adam Zampa's contribution was important as well. He scored 13 not out, and he was able to support Cameron Green, uh, take the pressure off Cameron Green, obviously, because he knew that Cameron Green couldn't run between the wickets, so there was no quick singles or twos. Obviously, Greeny was uh, cramping up in that. But Adam Zampa did well to knock over the last few runs and guide Australia home as well with Cameron Green. So so we can't forget a Adam Zampa's contribution to this victory as well. We talk about Kerry and Green, but also Adam Zampa had a role to play as well towards the back end of the innings when Australia were in a bit of trouble, uh, losing those quick wickets after New Zealand broke the partnership between Kerry and Green. But just finishing up about Cameron Green, he's the future of Australian cricket. He's going to be a great all-rounder. He's got a lot of potential, this kid. He's a strong hitter of the cricket ball. My word, you know, some of the pull shots and the sweep shots that he played during his innings, he just muscled the ball to the boundary. You know, the sound that the ball makes off the bat, you know, he hits the ball hard. Um, he's a strong player, and he's a powerful player. And he, as I said, he adds a lot to this Australian side, so... It was a good innings from Cameron Green, really stood up when Australia needed it. It's good to see him develop and blossom into a very good uh, player in front of our eyes. Hopefully he'll get better and better as the summer goes on. And with the more matches he plays and test matches and ODIs, he'll get better.
And uh, what an innings from him. 89 not out. Deserved a century. But at the end of the day, he wasn't thinking about that. He was just thinking about getting Australia over the line and winning this match. And he did. So wonderful partnership from Kerry and Green. Both of them uh, stood up tall where the top order failed. And they were able to get the job done for Australia. Wonderful partnership to rescue Australia from 5 for 44 to win this match by two wickets and to lead the series 1-0. Now, before we finish up about the Australian batting performance, before we talk about the bowlers, let's talk about Australia's top order woes. The top order for Australia again has collapsed. It's quite fragile, as we know. Um, we saw in the last game against Zimbabwe, they failed. They collapsed badly. The same thing happened against New Zealand, especially to Trent Bolt. Now, I'm not surprised that Australia struggled against Trent Bolt with the swing, as we all know, Australian batsmen always struggle against swing bowlers, especially when they go to England. Um, we always uh, struggle against the moving ball, whether it be seaming or swinging. And that what's and that happened in this game against New Zealand with Trent Bolt. Um, obviously, the Australian batsmen need to get better, especially the top order. Their job is to score runs and to see off Trent Bolt and to see off the new ball and to make light work of the run chase or when they're batting second or when they're batting first, try to dig in and try and get a big score um, for the opposition to chase. Um, obviously, Aaron Finch got out early again. No surprise there. Uh, David Warner played a poor shot. Steve Smith probably played at a ball that he shouldn't have had. Uh, Marnus got trapped on the crease for LBW. And Marcus Saunders got uh, clean bowled. So all of those top-order batsmen, Warner, Finch, Smith, Labashane, Saunders, will need to have a good look at their... Um, performance in game one and look at that going into game two because they've got a lot of areas to improve on this top order for Australia it's no means settled um they've got a lot of work to do headed into game two um because they need to improve because Australia do not want to have another batting collapse in game number two so Australia will have to address that and look to get better and improve especially the top order batsmen because it's not up to the middle order in Kerry Green and Maxwell to try and rescue Australia all the time the top order needs to do their job as well. Um, so that's a concern for Australia going into game two. Let's see what they can do. But uh, overall, it was a mixed performance from Australia with the bat. The top order crumbled, but Alex Carey and Cameron Green held firm and got Australia back on track to guide the team home. Let's have a look at the Australian bowlers, their performance in this first ODI against New Zealand. No wickets for Stornis, no wickets for Green, four wickets for Maxwell, a wicket each for Stark and Zampa. And three wickets for Hazelwood. That's how the Australian bowlers went about things in this first ODI against New Zealand. Um, the Australian bowlers were, were good again. Obviously, the Australian bowlers have been bowling really well. We saw that in the Zimbabwe series. Um, so the three games against Zimbabwe has really benefited the Australian bowlers. They've gotten into the rhythm and groove of one-day cricket. And they've been bowling well. They've got that game time underneath their belt. Um, they did well to keep New Zealand to 232 uh, they did the basics well, the bowling attack, they bowled dot balls, built pressure on the New Zealand batsmen, took wickets at regular intervals, executed their skills and plans with the ball. Uh, they bowled well in the death overs, Australia. Now, towards the back end of the innings, New Zealand lost 6 for 53 and 9 overs. So that's just an indication of how Australia bowled well in the last few overs of the innings. So to restrict New Zealand to 232 was a good effort. And in the end... Um, Australia were able to win the game because of that, um, all thanks to Kerry and Green and their partnership after rescuing Australia from, uh, from 5 for 44. 
Um, so the Australian bowlers were good again. You know, Glenn Maxwell was probably the surprise of the bowling attack. Um, he took four wickets, but it's good to have Glenn Maxwell in the side. He can add that option with the bat and also with the ball as well, bowling his off spinners. Um, he was able to take four wickets. Um, Josh Hazelwood was superb again. He took three. Uh, Mitchell Stark was a bit wayward, but he chipped in with a wicket. Adam Zampa was good as always, picked up a wicket. Um, even though Marcus Stoinis and Cameron Green didn't take any wickets today, uh, they were able to hold up an end and build pressure on the New Zealand batsmen. So the Australian bowling attack's firing. It's good. Um, it's really getting the job done for Australia. Um, so, yeah, no problems with the Australian bowling. Yet again, it was another clinical performance with the ball from the Australian bowlers. Uh, they'll be looking at areas to improve on and get better heading into Game 2 and Game 3 of the series, but uh, they'll be pretty happy with their efforts in Game 1. Um, as I said, they bowled pretty well to the New Zealand uh, batsmen. Obviously, New Zealand didn't get any momentum at all in their innings because the Australian, bats, uh, the, the Australian bowlers, I should say, were bowling pretty well, uh, challenging the New Zealand batsmen every ball of the innings. So, yeah, good job from the Australian bowlers. It was really good. Uh, no problems for them um, from game one. Obviously, everyone's doing their job. Everyone's taking wickets. So that's good to see the Australian bowlers do well. And obviously, no Pat Cummins in the side. But when Pat Cummins does come back to this one-day side, it's going to be an even stronger bowling attack. So the Australian bowlers doing well as always and getting the job done for Australia. And they got the job done in game one of the series against New Zealand. Overall, it was a good, solid bowling performance from Australia in this first ODI against New Zealand. Overall, it was a good fight back from Australia to win this first ODI against New Zealand. Let's have a look at New Zealand's team performance with both bat and ball in this first ODI at Kalele Stadium. We'll start with their batsmen, Guptor 6, Conway 46, Williamson 45, Latham 43, Mitchell 26, Bracewell 7, Nisham 16. That's how the New Zealand batsmen went about things in this first ODI against Australia. Now, for New Zealand, their batting in this first game was poor, actually. Um, it didn't really have any momentum whatsoever. Batsmen were struggling. Obviously, the pitch was a bit slow. Batsmen found it a bit difficult to uh, score on this pitch here in Cairns. Obviously, both teams never played um, here before in Cairns. So, um, I can understand that New Zealand were a bit watchful early on, which they were in their innings, uh, getting used to the surface, how the surface will play, and making an assessment on what was a good total. In the end, they got 232, and that wasn't enough. Um, New Zealand needed 250, um, you know, to challenge Australia. And for Australia, they were challenged in the run chase Australia because they lost five early wickets, but the partnership between Kerry and Green obviously got Australia back on track and in the end 232 wasn't enough they needed 250 so they're around about you know 20 runs short in the end on this pitch here in Cairns but the first innings sorry the first half of the New Zealand innings cost them really there were too many dot balls there was lack of intent yes the pitch was difficult to bat on it was slow but they didn't put the Australian bowlers under pressure they allowed the Australian bowlers to bowl to them and what they wanted to bowl uh, really. Um, so the Australian bowlers weren't put under any sort of pressure. And that really cost New Zealand in this match because there were too many opportunities where they could have scored, but there were dot balls. They didn't score off those deliveries. They wasted balls, lack of intent. There was no pressure. They didn't play with that positive intent. They didn't put the New Zealand 
They didn't put the Australian bowlers under pressure at all. And that's what cost them in the end. And that pretty much what cost New Zealand um, to get to that score of 250. Because with the dot balls up front, with Australia bowling well, with the combination of the pitch being a bit slow, a bit difficult for batting, the back end of the innings, the last 10 overs, that's where it fell apart for New Zealand. They had a batting collapse. They were trying to accelerate, but on this pitch here in Cairns, with the slow nature of the surface, it was very hard to try and be um, aggressive and try and force the pace. Um, they lost 6 for 53 in the inside nine overs, New Zealand. 6 for 53. And that's where it all fell apart. That's why they made 232 in the end. Um, so that, that, that start from New Zealand with the dot balls and, and Australia building the pressure pretty much cost them in the end, really. There were lots of starts from the New Zealand batsmen, but none of them converted them into big scores. You know, Conway, 46, Williamson, 45, Latham, 43, and Mitchell, 26. You know, you should be converting those starts into big scores, 50-plus scores. Unfortunately, New Zealand did not do that. Batsmen got in and then got out. There was no momentum or fluency to their batting in this innings. There were only two 50-run partnerships of the innings. That was 81 for the first... Sorry, 81 for the second wicket between Williamson and Conway. 52 for the fourth wicket between Mitchell and Latham. Needed to go on and make those partnerships bigger, like Kerry and um, Cameron Green did for Australia. Um, but New Zealand didn't. And those 250-run partnerships didn't go on and, and get New Zealand to that 250 score, or even past 250. So New Zealand have a lots, lots of questions for the New Zealand batsmen to ask themselves headed into game two. Um, for New Zealand, the areas to improve on is they need to be a bit more aggressive, show that intent. It was pretty much lack of intent, really. I didn't see the New Zealand batsmen run hard between the wickets. They didn't drop the ball into the gap and, and run hard for a quick single or two um, at all during the innings. Um, it was a lack of intent. They weren't positive. They didn't really put the Australian bowlers off their lines and lengths. Uh, they chewed up a lot of dot balls. They weren't scoring. They were getting bogged down. And that pretty much what cost them in the end. So New Zealand heading into game number two, they need to be a bit more aggressive towards the Australian bowlers. Put them under pressure. We saw at times during the innings, they were able to hit a boundary and a six and put some sort of pressure on the Australian bowlers. But after that, the Australian bowlers bowled a dot ball and built the pressure back up again. New Zealand didn't go on with it. So that's something that New Zealand need to look at heading into game two is to play with that positive intent and put pressure back on the Australian bowlers. Because if they do that, then they're a good chance of posting a score that is competitive and it's going to be challenging for Australia. But if they allow the Australian bowlers to just bowl what they want to bowl, then they're going to be under pressure and then they're going to probably get out cheaply and probably not post a total that's going to be competitive. Um, so that's what let them down big time in this innings, New Zealand. Lack of intent, uh, lack of aggressive approach, lack of positive intent, um, and a lack of pressure being put on to the Australian bowlers. And uh, that's why they suffered. That's why they didn't get any fluency or momentum in their innings at all. So there's a lot of work to do for the New Zealand batsmen heading into game two. Overall, it was a poor performance with the bat from New Zealand in this first ODI against Australia. Let's have a look at the New Zealand bowlers and their performance in this first ODI against Australia. No wickets for Bracewell and Nisham and Satna. 
Two wickets each for Henry and Ferguson, and four wickets for Bolt. That's how the New Zealand bowlers went about things in this first ODI against Australia. Uh, New Zealand bowled well in this match, actually. Um, it was a good start from New Zealand. They bowled well uh, to begin uh, the run chase. They had Australia five down for 44 inside 12 overs. Trent Bolt was good up front, taking early wickets and exploiting um, Australia's top order, exposing Australia's top order, I should say, removing Aaron Finch for five LBW. That's no surprise. Then he got rid of Steve Smith out bold for one, and then Labuschagne LBW for a duck. And then Matt Henry backed up Trent Bolt quite well um, in the first few overs of the Australian innings. He got rid of David Warner, caught by Bracewell for 20, then Marcus Stornis bowled for five. So Australia far down for 44 inside 12 overs. Definitely New Zealand ahead of the game there. And they had Australia under pressure. But the pressure created by New Zealand quickly disappeared when Kerry and Green came together. Uh, Trent Bolt should have bowled a few more overs up front, but Kane Williamson went to his other bowling options. Um, in the end, that probably was the move that probably cost New Zealand this match because that allowed the partnership between Kerry and Green to develop and the other bowlers uh, leaked runs. The likes of uh, Bracewell, Nisham, Satner was expensive. You know, um, even Lockie Ferguson was expensive as well. And, and that's where Kane Williamson missed a bit of a trick, a bit of a tactical error there from Williamson. Trent Bolt was bowling well. Australia 5 down 44. If you kept Trent Bolt going for another couple of overs, he would have got another couple of wickets. He would have got rid of Kerry and Green, then Maxwell. Then the New Zealand bowlers would have bowled to the Australian bowlers, the tailenders, and that was game, set, and match. Unfortunately, Williamson did not do that. And then Kerry and Green were able to develop the partnership as we know, um, 158 for the sixth wicket, which got Australia over the line. And that's where New Zealand pretty much lost this match, really. Um, so if Trent Bolt bowled another couple of overs, Australia would have lost this match. Being 5 for 44, he picked up a couple of wickets. Game, set, and match. But unfortunately, that wasn't to be. Um, so that pretty much cost New Zealand, because the other bowlers, as I mentioned, leaked runs. And they allowed Kerry and Green to get into their innings and get confidence. But New Zealand did well to break the partnership between Kerry and Green, which was 158 for the sixth wicket. They shouldn't have broken it earlier, but Trent Bolt dropped the catch where Cameron Green played a pull shot, went straight up into the air at fine leg. Trent Bolt got underneath it. He spilt the catch and dropped it. Uh, but that didn't really matter for New Zealand. Soon after that drop catch, they removed Alex Kerry for 85. Lockie Ferguson got him out, caught by Matt Henry. And that gave New Zealand hope, and Australia lost three quick wickets of Kerry, uh, Maxwell, and Stark. And then, and then New Zealand had an opportunity to really finish things off, bowling to uh, the tailenders. Obviously, Adam Zampa came in to join Cameron Green at the crease, and obviously the big wicket for New Zealand at that stage was Cameron Green. If they got him out, then it was Adam Zampa and Josh Hazelwood. Unfortunately for New Zealand, seeing that they already bowled Trent Bolt, and he already used up his 10 overs, same with Matt Henry. They had to go back to Ferguson and Satner, who leaked runs. Um, and pretty much, they had to bowl at the end because they ran out of other options. They couldn't go to Henry or Bolt because they were already bowled out. They already bowled their full overs. They already bowled their full quota of 10 overs, I should say. Um, so for Kane Williamson, he had to go back to Ferguson and Satner, who were leaking runs throughout the innings. Um, obviously, Lockie Ferguson went for... 
six runs and over, and Mitchell Satner went for four runs and over. And that pretty much cost New Zealand in the end because they ran out of options. Green and Kerry, uh, sorry, Green and Sampa were able to score runs off Ferguson and, and Satner, and obviously were able to get Australia over the line. And, um, you know, for New Zealand, they just let the game slip and they let an opportunity um, go, really. Um, that's all you can say about it. So so overall, it was a a very good bowling performance from New Zealand, but those tactical errors and leaking runs after they created that pressure pretty much cost them, really. Um, and this New Zealand attack is a bit same-same. You have heard the commentators during the coverage said it's a bit same-samey with Henry, Ferguson and Bolt. Um, obviously, um, no Tim Southie in the side. And also New Zealand lack a quality spin option. Now, I know Mitchell Satner's, you know, he's an okay spinner. He can take you wickets. He can get you wickets every now and again. But as we saw to, in this game, he got none for 47. He went for, you know, four runs and over. So this is where Australia's ahead of New Zealand in terms of the spin department in this series because you've got Adam Zampa for Australia, who's quality. He's able to take wickets and hold up an end, whereas Mitchell Satner goes for runs and can't take wickets and can't hold up an end. So I was quite surprised that New Zealand did not pick Ish Sodi. I thought he would have been a better spin option than Satner um, in this New Zealand team, but they didn't go with Sodi, so um, they um, selected Satner instead, obviously. And then you got Bracewell to bowl some part-time moves of off-spin. So... New Zealand, their attack's a bit same-samey, and then they ran out of options towards the end of the innings, which cost them in the end. So so for New Zealand, a couple of tactical errors there, but overall it was a good bowling effort from them. Uh, obviously, we know with this New Zealand side, they're fighters. They will keep fighting. They'll take wickets, and, and that's what they did with the bowling performance. But unfortunately, those little errors from Williamson, not giving Trent Bolt another few overs to finish off the match... And then towards the back end of the match, he ran out of options because Trent Bolt was already bowled out. Matt Henry was bowled out. So he had to go back to Ferguson and Satner, who leaked runs, and therefore did not build pressure on Green and Zampa. Um, and they were able to get Australia over the line. So a few things went wrong for New Zealand in the bowling performance, but overall it was good bowling effort from New Zealand. Unfortunately, they couldn't get the job done. Overall, it was a mixed performance with both bat and ball from New Zealand in this first ODI against Australia. Let's preview the second ODI of the series between Australia and New Zealand from Kalele Stadium. Talk about the potential levens for both teams and who's going to win this second ODI. Let's have a look at the overall stats between Australia and New Zealand at Kalele Stadium. They've already played one match at Kalele Stadium. Australia lead overall 1-0. Let's have a look at Australia's potential 11 for the second ODI. And I think Australia will keep the same 11 for the second ODI of this series against New Zealand. Uh, I don't think there's any need for Australia to make any changes to the 11. Um, obviously, a lot of people say they should make some changes, especially with Aaron Finch and Marcus Stornis not playing well. Um, Australia do have Josh Inglis, Ashton Agar and Sean Abbott in, on the sidelines to choose from. Uh, they may go with those options for game two if they feel like they need a change, but I don't think they'll make any changes and they'll give Finch and Stoinis another opportunity to try and make an impact in this series. So Australia's potential 11th, the second ODI could be uh, Warner, Finch, Smith, Labashane, Stoinis, Kerry, Green, Maxwell, Stark, Sampa, and Hazelwood. <laughs> 
Let's have a look at New Zealand's potential 11 for the second ODI against Australia. Now, I think New Zealand may make a change to their 11 uh, for the second ODI of this series against Australia. I feel like they'll make a change, probably bring back Tim Southey in the bowling department, maybe for Lockie Ferguson, um, or they may keep the same 11 if they want to New Zealand. But I feel like probably bring back Tim Southey just for that point of difference in the bowling attack. Obviously, he can support Trent Bolt quite well. Tim Southey's quite a good one-day bowler, as we know. He's quite a good bowler overall. Um, Lockie Ferguson went for a lot of runs in, in the first game. So I think... If they want to keep the same 11, they may do that. But I feel like bring back Tim Southey to add that point of difference to the bowling attack. So their potential 11 for the second ODI could be Guptal, Conway, Williamson, Latham, Mitchell, Bracewell, Neesham, Satner, Henry, Ferguson or Southey and Bolt. Now, who's going to win the second ODI at Kaleli Stadium? Well, given what we have saw in Game 1... And how Australia came back from nowhere to win game one. I think Australia may win game two. All the momentum's with them. Um, obviously, it's an ideal position for Australia. Seeing that you've already won the first game of the series of a three-match series, you only need to win one of the next two to win the series. For New Zealand, they can't afford to lose this game. They have to win the game. They have to win game two, I should say, to uh, stay in the series. If they don't, then that's the end of their hopes of winning the series. Um, so Australia definitely in the driver's seat with the 1-0 lead. New Zealand are a very good side. They can come back, but I think this defeat will definitely hurt New Zealand. Um, and Australia have got the momentum, obviously. But if New Zealand can nail the basics, they're a good chance of winning this second game and levelling the series at one all. But based on the comeback from Australia, um, I think Australia may be too strong and could win the second game of this ODI series. What can we expect from both teams heading into the second ODI at Kaleli Stadium? Australia will be delighted with this win. After being 5 for 44 inside 12 overs, their hopes of winning were dashed. But the partnership between Alex Carey and Cameron Green of 158 for the 6 wicket got Australia over the line. But Australia's top order have some areas to improve on heading into game 2 and will soon need to fix those issues if they don't they may have another batting collapse, just like in Game 1. New Zealand will be disappointed with this result. They bowled well to have Australia 5 for 44, but they let the game slip and couldn't finish off the job as Carey and Green snatched the victory out of their hands. New Zealand will need to improve their batting heading into Game 2 and learn the lessons from Game 1 with the bat. If they don't, then it could be a repeat performance. What a game of cricket we have seen in Cairns for the first ODI between Australia and New Zealand. After losing 5 for 44 inside 12 overs, the game was almost gone for Australia, and New Zealand had victory in sight. But Alex Carey and Cameron Green combined to add 158 for the 6 wicket to guide Australia to an unbelievable victory in Cairns. It's shaping up to be an exciting game 2 of the series. Australia just need one more win to claim the series, Whereas for New Zealand, it's do or die, as they need to win to stay in the series. Let's hope Game 2 is close and exciting, just like in Game 1. Well, that's all the time we have for this episode. Be sure to subscribe and click the bell to get the latest episodes of the podcast, and like and share our Facebook page, and follow us on Twitter and on Instagram. Until next time, keep safe, and bye for now.